Good morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here, coming at you from the home office. We are making our way through the book of Exodus, and we are up to uh, and through the ninth plague, and we're finally to the grand finale um, in terms of the plagues. And this is the most significant one both in terms of its judgment on the people of Egypt, but it's also the most significant one for the people of Israel in terms of them learning how God works to bring them, a sinful people, into relationship with himself. And so we're going to be in in Exodus 12. Um, We're, of course, talking about the Passover now, this is a long chapter, and we're going to probably um, divide it up into two or three parts um, f- um, and, and kind of work our way through it carefully. So, so this morning, we're going to do through verse 13 and talk about the Passover itself, and then we will we'll look at some other elements of it in the next couple of days because um, it's a big passage, an important one, a pivotal one. In fact, it's it's one of the most important in all of the of the Old Testament. So, without further ado, let's read in Exodus. Let's begin in verse one, chapter twelve. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, "This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. All right, let me pray for us. Lord, really give us wisdom, discernment, and insight from your word this morning. Lord, show us how this obscure in many ways bizarre in many ways, 3,500-year-old story continues to bear ongoing significance and purpose for us um, even today and show us um, what you um, 
want to reveal to yourself about yourself, okay? Reveal to us about yourself through this passage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 3,500 years ago, God gave the Israelites these specific instructions related to um, this this tenth and final sign or plague that he would bring upon the Egyptians. And, and certainly it was going to be a horrific one. God was going to strike down the firstborn of every living thing in Egypt. And this was going to bring into culmination, right, um, all the other plagues. It was going to be the, 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 the coup de grace, the straw that breaks the camel's back, the one that, that most clearly demonstrates um, God's superiority over every other God. And in fact, when you look at um, um, uh, back in the, I'm trying to think it's the 11th verse, okay, or the 12th verse of this passage. Yes, um, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. So remember what the ultimate purpose as this relates to um, the people of Israel and the people of Egypt. This was to give an object lesson that God is the one true God. All the other gods, there in fact is no such thing. Okay, they're just idols. They don't, they don't talk or speak or act. This was to show the finality and just the, the, the overwhelming superiority of God to any other thing that would rival Him. Um, so, so that's that's the that that's the underlying meaning. That's the that's the backdrop. Now, as it relates to like the actual practice here, God tells them to kill a lamb, um, the Israelites, to, to, to get the blood of that lamb and to sprinkle it over their doorpost um, and to stay shut up in their house at night. And that while God is bringing judgment upon the Israelites, I mean, I'm sorry, upon the Egyptians, he is simultaneously passing over um, the houses of the people of God, of the Israelites. He is not slaying their firstborn. And um, he is, in fact, um, sparing them because of the blood. Okay, And, and, and as we're going to see, this is, in fact, what happens. But, but what I want to do is just spend a couple of minutes sort of unpacking the significance of this passage because it sets a type, it sets um, a trajectory for how we're to understand not only the Old Testament sacrificial system, but in fact, um, the arc of the whole Bible as it relates to the sacrifice of Jesus. So here we see for one of the first times this idea that, that life for life, in order for life to be spared, life has to be offered up. Okay. And, and we, and we, and we think about that without the shedding of blood, the writer of Hebrews tells us there is no remission or forgiveness of sins. And so as the Israelites were killing this lamb and placing the blood over the doorpost, we, we know that this wasn't just um, some incantation. This wasn't some obscure um, ritual, pagan ritual. 
where by virtue of the fact that they physically do this, that that in itself atones for their sin or covers their sin. Of course, not at all. Again, the writer of Hebrews tells us the blood of bulls and goats, it can't take away sins. However, it was a sign. It was a seal. It was a symbol that as the Israelites were um, sacrificing these lambs and then spreading their blood above the door, they would be reminded that they too deserved the judgment okay of god that what was happening to the is to the to the egyptians on the outside of these homes um was in fact um should have been happening to them but for this blood okay but for this blood and that this blood was being was was a type or a symbol of the fact that that they needed a perfect sacrifice they need it and that this is why they they were told take a lamb that has no blemish right and so the whole idea is that there is an innocent life and the blood being shed for a a guilty life and and so as we're going to see you know through the study of exodus this becomes a prefigure of all sacrificial levitical worship in the old testament that in fact Um, It was the blood of the lamb that was, or the sacrifices of bulls and goats that were shed to to remind the Israelites, okay, that their blood needed to be atoned for, that that their sins needed to be atoned for, and it was going to have to be atoned for by their blood. And so it was either going to be by their blood, okay, or by the blood of a sacrifice, okay? Now, all the gospel writers um, take great care in showing us that that it was no accident that Jesus, okay, was crucified during the Passover. That inasmuch as all these people of of Jerusalem and Israel were coming to Jerusalem to sacrifice um, and to be a part of the Passover, these lambs, that in fact Jesus was the Lamb of God, okay, and it was his blood that was being um, shed. Now, what's obviously distinctive about this is that um, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus was had done nothing to deserve this. Um, but in fact, this was precisely the point, right? And and it was meant this was meant to be a powerful sign, okay, to the New Testament church that even as the people of Israel were having to offer a lamb over and over and over again, or the sacrifices of bulls and goats over and over and over again, Jesus came once, once for all, to die for sins, and that there no longer needed to be a sacrifice of animals, okay? But what's interesting is that for you and I today, um, as we place our faith in Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, understanding that this was a once and for all sacrifice, okay? understanding that we no longer need to sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats or lambs, but yet our blood, our sins still need to be atoned for. And this is why it says in the, in the new Testament that Jesus is at the right hand of God and that he is continually making intercession for us. In other words, he's our high priest and he's continually offering up the sacrifice. He's not being re-sacrificed. Okay. But he's continually offering up on our behalf the sacrifice he made for us um, on behalf of us to the Father. 
And so it's not that our sins no longer need to be atoned for. They need to be atoned for just as much as the Israelites' sins need to be atoned for. It's just that Jesus has made that atonement once and for all, and he is continually interceding for us. And and, and the new and the church in the New Testament would have seen just what a powerful, okay, um, fulfillment this was, Jesus dying on the cross for his people of the Old Testament Passover. So instead of re-sacrificing blood, okay, or a, a lamb every Passover, now the Christian church, looking to the person of Christ, would come, and when they would gather, they would take the body and the blood of Christ, right, through, symbolized through the, the, the bread and the wine at the Lord's Supper. And so, so Jesus, when he offers it up, makes this parallel very clear. Just as the lamb was being offered up, okay, and the blood shed, now Jesus's blood is being offered up, okay, blood shed, so that God's judgment would not rest upon us, okay? But amazingly, it would rest upon him. And, and that he, God in his wrath and judgment, would pass over, okay, the people of God, that's us. His judgment would come down upon his own son who did not deserve it, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And um, what we learn from this passage, okay, is that in all the ways that that this lamb was offered up and that this was an ordinance that was to be observed by the Israelites, that they every time they would come and offer this lamb, I believe God would want them to be reminded, we need a more permanent sacrifice. We... Um, we need a sacrifice that will atone for our sins, cover our sins once and for all, okay, for all eternity, um, forever and ever. Um, and this was meant to, as part of their ritual, get them to look towards the future um, and their need for a permanent sacrifice and a permanent Savior. And so just to re as a reminder for Oaks that we still need a lamb and God has provided that lamb in his son Jesus Christ and he is still Jesus offering up this sacrifice for us eternally so that we can know the father and that his judgment no longer rests upon us it came and rested upon his son um, in our place and and this was a powerful powerful parable and story that carries through all out through all the Old Testament, um, which is finally fulfilled in Christ. Now, the next couple of days, we're going to look at what happened in this, um, in this Passover event in the Old Testament itself. But we needed to kind of fix our eyes and hearts on the underlying eternal truths that are present, that God didn't just give this, um, this Passover to the, to the Israelites willy-nilly, right? He did it to prefigure, to point to, to stir their hearts towards their need for a permanent Messiah, a permanent sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so let's, let's meditate on, think on, pray over, 
Jesus Christ as our perfect sacrifice, okay, as our perfect lamb. And because of that, God has passed his judgment over us and has given us instead his favor, love, atonement, acceptance. And that is great news. All right, let's pray. Lord, we kind of dive off into the deep end of the pool this morning with a reminder that this was not just merely an ancient ritual. This was meant to point to you, meant to point us to you, meant to point the people of Israel to the expectation that they needed a permanent savior, a permanent sacrifice. And Lord, we have it. You are a great high priest. Thank you that you are the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world, that you've taken away all sin for those who've trusted and placed their faith in you. And Lord, thanks for that fresh reminder of your sacrifice this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We will be back here, same time, same station, tomorrow morning. Thanks.